years ago, when I was about like 19 years old, which was years ago, um, I remember coming home on a weekend night from, from hanging out on, a, on, it was either a Friday or Saturday night, and I remember I got, decided that I wanted to have a little midnight snack, and I lived in my parents' basement. You don't want to do that too long, but I lived in my parents' basement, right? I heard the average age of that is like getting closer to 30 these days, so, um, but I, uh, I remember, you know, I had this little like young adult cave in the basement all to myself. And so I grabbed a bag of chips and had a big bowl of salsa. And I remember it's like as soon as I hit that first step, my feet went out from underneath me, just whoop, and I went all the way to the bottom. And I was laying there with like salsa all over my face. It was all over the walls. It looked like a crime scene, man. It was it was horrible. And I, I ended up getting this, this bruise on my left butt cheek that was about that big. Like, and it lasted like a month, and it hurt. I was just laying there in agony. The reason I tell you that story is <laughs> when I fell, what was in the bowl was obvious that it was salsa, right? When I tripped. When life bumps into you and I, when we trip and fall, what spills out? In the physical realm, that was salsa for me. But in, 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 for us, what, what oozes out? What bumps, when we get bumped by life, trials, struggles, or failures, what spills out of us? That's what I want you to think about because this whole series that we're doing on the fruit of the Spirit is really about that. That when, when life is tough, when life is difficult, when we go through trials, when we make mistakes, what spills out of us? That's what I believe God wants to do. So we're in this series called Mirrors, where we're talking about being created in the image of God and how, how God created us to reflect Him in His character and who, who He is. And the fruit of the Spirit, as listed in Galatians, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those nine fruit of the Spirit are perfect examples of who God is. He's love. He's joy. He's patient. As we were just singing, He's good. So today we're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit is goodness. Now good, the word good or goodness is, is kind of a loose word. I think it's a little bit like love. I can say I love God or I love my wife, or I love ice cream, and it's two different types of love that we're talking about, the the intensity of what we're talking about. I think the same thing goes with the word good. I mean, I can say God is good, that that guy's a good man, or that was a good game, you know, or you drive a good car. Again, there's a disconnect that's there. So I'm going to give you a definition of goodness. Goodness is doing the right things for the right reasons, with a right heart. Doing the right things for the right reasons from a right heart. When we sing about God being good, think about that God always does the right things for the right reasons from a right heart. Always. In the Psalms, it says, Psalm 25, verse 8, good and upright is the Lord. He's good. He's, he's upright. Evil, by definition, is the absence of good. So evil is the absence of God. Because God is good, 
when God's not in a situation or, or we're not doing the right things for the right reasons from the right heart, we're, we're missing reflecting God. Jesus called himself the good shepherd. He said, I'm the good shepherd. Jesus always did the right things for the right reasons from a right heart. He always does that. You can count on it. Acts chapter 10, verse 38, the disciples are preaching Jesus, and they say, this man, Jesus, went around doing good to everyone. He went around doing good. So to reflect his image and the fruit of the Spirit being goodness, we've been called to do the right things for the right reasons from a right heart and to reflect his goodness. As a matter of fact, it says in Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Do you know that God planned for you and I to do good things, to, to be a blessing to people, to be a blessing to this world, to be a blessing to your church, your family, your community? And as I was thinking about this, I thought about the, the Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan. You remember that? Um, Jesus tells this, this story of, um, after a man asks him, what does it mean to love your neighbor? And Jesus wanted to drill home, what does it really mean to love your neighbor? And he tells this story about a man who was um, attacked by robbers, and they stole all his stuff, and they beat him half to death and left him on the side of the road naked. And it says that a, a religious man walked saw him, but refused to get involved in this man's life because he might be dead. Therefore, in his religiosity, if he touched a dead man, he would be unclean. And so then another guy walks by and just went on the other side of the road. He says, a Samaritan, he stopped and helped the man and, and, and nurtured him and, and uh, nursed his wounds and all of that. The, the impact of him, Jesus saying a Samaritan did that, the Samaritans were hated by the Jews. They were, they were half-breeds. And there was a real prejudice against Samaritans. And so Jesus is trying to really make a point here that this, this Samaritan was the one that, that did good. The Samaritan nursed his wounds, paid for his care, and and all of that, and got him back to health. Jesus said, which which one of uh, these guys was a a good neighbor or loved his neighbor? They obviously said, the man who helped. The Samaritan, Jesus didn't call him good, if you read that. We've, over the years, labeled him the good Samaritan because he did the right thing for the right reason with the right heart. The right thing for the right reasons with the right heart. God wants that for us as well. So how do you and I walk in goodness? How do we walk in goodness? First thing I want you to write down is this. Be aware of yourself. Trying to be good doesn't work. You have to be aware of yourself. In uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse, verse 27, which has kind of been our key text through this whole series, God says that it says that he made them male and female in in his image. So we as humanity were created in the image of God. We're separate from all of creation in being having this distinction of being created in his image. As beautiful as the mountains are, as beautiful as the stars are, as cool as animals are, they're not created in the image of God. They're his handiwork, his artwork, so to speak. 
But you and I being created in the image of God, we reflect that in the, in the, the, when Adam and Eve were created with the ability to reason, the ability to make choices, the ability to love. The rest of creation is the animals are instinctual and, and mountains don't make decisions. You know, the stars can't do anything like that. Only us as humans, there's that dignity in being created in, in, in God's image. And so at that point in creation, in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, God calls everything that he had created good. And Adam and Eve only knew good at this point when we get to chapter 2 before we get to chapter 3. And in chapter 2, verse 25, it's a unique verse. It says, Adam and Eve were in the garden, and they were naked and unashamed. They had no shame in their nakedness. It's an interesting, interesting verse that's there. When we read on in that story in Genesis chapter 3, we see the fall of Adam and Eve, right? They disobeyed God. God said, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they were tempted, and they did, and sin and shame enters into the world. And as a matter of fact, in, in chapter th- 3, after they, they fell, Adam and Eve hid from God, and they sewed together fig leaves to cover up their, their nakedness. And God comes to them, and he says, where are you? And Adam and Eve said, well, we're hiding from you because we are naked and we felt shame. I think there's two kinds of nakedness. I'll keep this PG. Um, there's, there's two kinds of nakedness. There is like the nakedness of a little toddler running around, hey, and they're naked, and they don't care, right? They, they don't know that they're naked. They don't realize that. It's, it's kind of obviously learned, and o- over the years, it's, some, it's almost like cute, you know, when, when kids are little. And even as adults, there's the kind of nakedness in the shower, <laughs> No one's around, and you're singing, and hey, hey, if someone was to bust in on you, though, while you were naked, you'd be, whoa, hey, what are you doing, yelling and screaming, and your first reaction would be to cover up. The same thing goes with what happened in the garden. When sin and shame and death now entered into the world, Adam and Eve were trying to cover up from God and cover up from one another, and we've been doing it ever since, covering up from God and trying to cover up from one another. Shame at its very core is, if you really knew me, you wouldn't like me. If I really shared what was in my heart, you wouldn't want, you wouldn't want me. God, you, you, you wouldn't want me. So it's important to set that foundation of understanding. If we're going to walk in goodness, our natural inclination is not goodness. It says in Romans 5.12, when Adam sinned, Sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. This propensity to sin that we're born with, you don't have to look very far in the heart of a child, right? A child is by nature selfish, and we by nature are self-centered. And it's actually also fostered by life. It's, it's inherited and it's also learned by, you know, one another, by life itself. And so this sinful nature, being aware of ourselves, it needs to be unlearned. It needs to be uh, undone. And thank God for Jesus. 
That's what he did. When he came and he lived a perfect life and he died a brutal death on the cross and rose again from the grave, he set us free from the old man, the old nature. He has set us free. We, are, we need to learn now how to walk in the new creation, to walk in the new person that we are. I wonder if you can relate to what the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 7, 18 uh, through 20. He says, I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. We need to be aware of ourselves. We need to be aware of of the gospel. We need to be aware of apart from Christ, we can't be good. We won't do the right things for the right reasons from a right heart. What Paul is saying there is there's a battle within each one of us. There really is. And he says this in Galatians 5.17. He says, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. You know what I hear from that is that you and I don't need willpower. We need real power. How far does willpower get you and I? It doesn't get us very far. I'm the worst. But his power, when I experience the power of the Holy Spirit, him producing the fruit of the Spirit is different than me trying to produce the fruit. A tree doesn't sit there and go, come on, orange, pop out now. Come on, apple, you know, it it doesn't work like that. It's produced naturally. It's not manufactured. And you and I can't produce the fruit. It's as we yield to the Holy Spirit. The verse before that in Galatians 5, 16 says, if you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the sinful nature or the desires of the sinful nature. So if you're struggling today and walking out who you are in Christ, I would encourage you to stop trying and start abiding. Jesus said, if you abide in me and I in you, your life will be fruitful. So stop trying and start abiding, start walking in the spirit. It's so important that we learn that. I read this quote um, this past week I thought was really apropos for the message today. A guy named Bob Goff, he said, our problem following Jesus is we're trying to be a better version of us rather than a more accurate reflection of him. That's so good. We're busy trying to be a better version of us, but that's not God's plan. God's plan is that you and I reflect him and be be a better reflection of the character of God. So if we're going to walk in goodness, do the right thing for the right reasons from a right heart, then I got to first be aware of my natural tendency. Second thing, and the next three points here are what I would say are kind of building blocks of goodness. And I think goodness and integrity really go hand in hand. A person of integrity is a good person doing, doing good. And I would say, say this, write this down, be honest. If you want to walk in goodness, tell the truth. Be honest. Ask God to, to, to help you to walk in, in, in his truth, to walk in the truth, to be truthful. 
to not lie. We're all tempted to lie every day. And I want to put this challenge to you. Why is it wrong to lie? If you can't answer why it's wrong to lie, then you'll probably continue to tell lies. It's wrong to lie because God is truth. God never lies. God can't even lie. And you and I were created to reflect who he is. And so when I'm lying, I'm a distorted reflection of God. But when we're walking in truth, then we're reflecting who God really is. Mark Twain, no theologian by any means, but he said, speaking honestly is better. It takes a lot of stress out of our lives. If you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. <laughs> That's so true. If you tell the truth, you don't have to wonder, who did I lie to? Or, or this little lie became this other lie and, you know, just snowballs from there. About God being truth, Deuteronomy 32.4, he is the rock. His work is perfect for all his ways are justice, a God of truth and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. Jesus said that he was the way, the truth, and the life. He was the embodiment of reality of what truth is. Jesus never tells lies. He is, God always keeps his word and is always honest. And I know probably for some of you, you're thinking like, there's some tough times where I, where I have to lie because of work or have to lie because of this or, or that. Obey God and leave the consequences to him in this area. We're, uh, as we reflect God in being honest, Ephesians 4.25 says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Keep our word. If, if you say you're going to pray for somebody, pray for them. If you say you're going to call somebody back, try to call them back. I get it. We all make mistakes. We're imperfect when it comes to this. But learning to be honest is being good to one another. Being honest is being good to one another. Watch out for the little white lies. They can become big, dark lies pretty quick. And if we get into that habit of, of not speaking the truth. But honesty has to be spoken with love, right? Does my butt look big in these jeans, <laughs> right? Uh, what do you say, right? <laughs> of course not. I say that jokingly, but when you're on, you can be honest and pound somebody over the head with honesty. The way Jesus brings the truth, he brings it with love and in a way that changes hearts and changes us. So it's important that we understand that. So be honest, that's a building block of, of goodness. And then the second thing here is be committed and stay committed. Be committed and stay committed. Honesty and commitment really mark what goodness is because they are what God is. God is a God of truth who keeps his word, and God is a God who keeps his commitment. God is committed to you. Do you know that today? Some of you right now are stumbling in your walk. And you've had a difficult time, and maybe you're entertaining some darkness or, or whatever, and you're, you're thinking, my God's mad at me. He's, he's going to give up on me if I do it again. Listen, God is all in in his relationship with you. I thank God for that. He's all in. 
because I know how much I blow it. I know how, how, how much I am, how weak I am in myself. And I have to remind myself, God, you're all in in your relationship with me. He's fully committed. Hebrews 13, 5, for God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. What a great promise that is. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. God is committed. That's why he's good. God does the right things for the right reasons from a right heart over and over and over. He's committed. And so how do you and I reflect that part of his goodness? And keep your commitments. Be committed. Stay committed. Jesus said in Matthew 5.37, just a simple yes I will or a no I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. He, he says, just say yes or no. Like learn how to say no sometimes can help you in keeping your commitments. Don't say yes and then turn around and not do it later. We're all guilty of that, right? We say yes to something we don't really want to do or whatever it is. Jesus is saying, say yes, you will or no, you won't. But if you say yes, I will, then keep your word. Stay committed. I was, read a story this past week about a guy named Robertson McGilkin. And Robertson is, uh, was the son of the first president of Columbia Bible College, where they trained pastors and missionaries and ministry folk. And Robertson's really aspiration in life was to take over the Bible College and be the president when his dad retired. And that day came about, and he actually was a really good president. He took it even to a higher level. He was good at his calling. But his wife was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. And it was a very aggressive Alzheimer's. It was aggressive within months. She didn't even know who he was, couldn't recognize him when he walked into a room. And um, he, he decided that he was going to step down from his job of being president of the Bible college in order to take care of his wife. And all the, the realists around him were like, Robertson, you're good at this. This is your calling. Don't step down. Somebody else can take care of her. And he said, and they said, she doesn't even know who you are. And he said, well, I know who she is. And I made a promise till death do us part. I'm going to keep that commitment. And that's goodness on display. That is what it means to be good, to be committed and to stay committed. You can't control other people's commitments towards you, but you can control your commitments towards others and what you have been asked to do in life. So stand by our commitments. How bad does this world need to see people doing the right things for the right reasons from a right heart, man? Our world needs to see commitment played out within our families, our friendships, at church, marriage. We live in a world where people quit so quick. We as followers of Jesus, we reflect him when we're committed as he is committed. And don't even get me started on college football around here in our state right now when it comes to commitment, right? Oh, no, I didn't, but I just did. I couldn't resist. The last thing I would say is this. Be consistent. Be honest. Be committed and stay committed and then be consistent. 
And I think consistency and commitment kind of go hand in hand, but I think they're a, they're a little bit different. We're told in Hebrews 13, 8, that Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, he doesn't change. Jesus is consistent. We can count on him being the same yesterday, today, and forever. How many know that's good news? We don't have to wonder. How do we be consistent? Well, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, 1, he said, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. You know what I think that means? Is be the same person in private that you are in public. Be the same person in private behind closed doors that you strive to be in public. That's, the, that's what the consistency that he's talking about. Do the right thing for the right reasons from a right heart when no one's looking. That's what he's saying. I think it's important that we, that we remember that. There's a, there's a bit of accountability that comes in our public life. You know, somebody once said, your reputation is what people think about you. Your character is who you really are when no one's looking. That's a big difference. So are we the same people in private that we want to display in public? There's an accountability in public that, that we tend to maybe, I hope, we tend to watch our words Watch our actions. Um, you know, all of these things that, that, that we do because somebody might see us. But in private, am I that same person? Am I that same person behind closed doors? I'm definitely not consistent. And I know you're not either. That's why I can stand up here and, and say it gently. But let's become and be people who strive to be, be that. Um, my pastor for about... I don't know, 20 years or so, was George Morrison. And I was on staff with him, for, worked under him for 15 and a half years. And George is a man of consistency. He modeled consistency for me as, I, as he pastored me and I walked through life with him and, and, and saw how he was a person of integrity. And I remember one time a, a person that was kind of new to the church, um, they asked me, they said, is George Morrison the same man outside of the pulpit that he is in the pulpit? And in other words, like, I love the guy that's in the pulpit that's teaching me on Sundays. Is he the same guy outside of the pulpit? I said, you bet your bippy he is. He is the real deal. And I want to be, be a person of integrity. You want to be a person of integrity where we're the same person in private that we are in public. Micah 6.8 says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. What is good? It's to act justly, to love mercy, and walk humbly with God. Consistency, to be a consistent person in doing the right thing for the right reasons from a right heart is going to require a consistent attitude of repentance. That when you're not consistent, be quick to ask forgiveness. Be quick to acknowledge that you weren't consistent or that you didn't keep your commitment or, or whatever it is. 
I think it's so important that we, we re- rely on the Holy Spirit to produce goodness in us. And that our part is to, as we are relying on him, when I know I haven't been good or walking in goodness, is to acknowledge that. So what do we do? We can't microwave character. You can't microwave sanctification. You can't microwave the fruit of the Spirit. I say this all the time. Wouldn't it be great if it was like popcorn? You put it in the microwave and boom, out pops Jesus right here. I'm just act just like him. It doesn't work like that. We all know that. But what we can do is we can yield to the spirit that God has placed within us. Because if you learn in the small things to be honest and keep your commitments and be consistent, you'll begin to hear his voice, his leading more and more. And he'll tell you when not to do something or to do something. We just need to slow down. And when he tells you to do something even little, something very little, obey that. And the more you obey in the little things, the more you're going to continue to obey in the bigger things. And we reflect who he is. So I was thinking about this. How do we bring a conclusion to a message on being good when we are all aware of ourselves too, right? is here's what I want you to do. I want you to, if you haven't, memorize Micah 6.8 this week. I want you to put it on your phone in a note, put it on a sticky note on your mirror. But I, I think we all should memorize that verse and then meditate on it. He says, God has shown us what is good. What is the, the right thing for the right reason from a right heart? It's to act justly, love mercy, and to walk humbly with God, to walk humbly with Jesus. Would you commit to doing that this week? Just take that verse and meditate on it and memorize it. The Word of God with the Holy Spirit's power behind it is what changes us anyhow. So stand with me and let's pray. As we were singing the song, Sea of Victory, uh, right after baptism, I felt like there was folks in this room that are either experiencing a victory or you're in the need of a victory, and you're holding on to God for that. And I felt like he wanted to remind you, you're going to see his victory in your life. So take courage. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Lord, you are good. And apart from you, we can do we can do no good. We aren't good apart from you. But through you, the one who is truly good, we can reflect your character. We want to do that, God. Thank you for convicting us this morning. Thank you for your word that is ever true penetrates our hearts and changes our lives. Thanks for being so good to us, Jesus. Help us to be good to one another. Help us to be good to a not good world. Help us to be good to those who aren't good to us. Those co-workers that stress us out, family members that are stressing us out. 
might be mistreating us. Lord, help us to do nothing. When that bumps into us, Lord, out would spill goodness into the lives of others, into the world around us. That you, God, would get all the glory, all the credit to you. Nothing in ourselves. We want to be accurate reflection of you in Jesus' name. Amen.